0: Coming up on Weed Talk News this week, Senator Cory Booker says cannabis reform is possible with a lame duck Congress, Truly issues a statement about their workplace accident in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and yes, weed is on the ballot in just two weeks and five states will leave it to their voters to legalize. Germany gives the green light for legalization of cannabis in that European nation. All that and coast-to-coast cannabis news reports on We Talk News
1: next. We are pro-cannabis media.
2: Hey everyone, I'm Tori Chamberlain, in for Elena Pinto this week, and welcome to Weed Talk News. We took a break last week, but we're right back to it to bring you some of the highest headlines going on in the world of weed. So let's get right to it. One of the biggest stories to probably catch you up on is what's going on with the ongoing investigation into the death of a True leave employee in Massachusetts. While Lorna McMurray passed away in January of this year, news of her death didn't really make headlines until last month. And since then, many eyes have been on the company in question, TrueLeave, and the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission, who says it's been investigating the company since last year. But TrueLeave officials have been relatively quiet about the situation, that is, until now. Truly released a statement that reads in part, Unfortunately, some incorrect information has been distributed about Leaves facility in Holyoke and its response to Ms. McMurray's collapse on January fourth, 2022. The company goes on to say the air quality of the facility was up to standard and uses several pieces of equipment to maintain what it calls a healthy environment. That the company also provides N95 masks to its employees and that Lorna McMurray wore one of those masks the day of her death Contrary to reports that her mask was paper, according to the company. And even more in depth, Trulieve says that Lorna was working in a pre-roll area, not a flower grinding room. They also say Lorna reported that she wasn't feeling well at work that day and was told she could go home, but instead opted to remain at work. The company says the opposite was falsely reported when the news first broke. TrueLeave goes on to say it looks forward to working with OSHA and the Massachusetts CCC to establish new best practices, and we'll have to wait and see just what those new practices will be. Right now, it looks like all eyes are on the Cannabis Control Commission, which due to state law says there's not a lot of information it can release about the investigation into TrueLeave at this time. Meanwhile, MassLive.com reports that Holyoke City Councilor Linda Vacone has filed an order calling for state permission to inspect large cannabis cultivation facilities and manufacturing facilities to ensure that provisions for workers' health and safety are actually being followed. Now, over on Capitol Hill, Senator Cory Booker says Congress has a, quote, good shot of passing some kind of cannabis reform measures during the upcoming lame duck session, which will follow the November midterm election. In an interview with NJ.com, Booker says that congressional leaders are engaged in what he calls, quote, active negotiations over a package of proposals that could include banking and justice reform on some level. And speaking of the midterm election, we're just a few weeks away from that now and the crucial polling date. Five states will be deciding whether or not to legalize cannabis for adult use. They include Arkansas, Maryland, North and South Dakota, and as we've been reporting, Missouri. Over the pond, Europe is getting a little bit greener. Federal officials in Germany say they've officially approved a plan to legalize cannabis nationwide but they also say the final decision depends on whether international and European policy is actually going to allow it to happen. Our new European correspondent, Lex Pelger, has the story.
3: Hello, I'm Lex Pelger of White Whale Creations, and for Weed Talk News, this is a European Cannabis Report. The big news is that Germany is going legal. After a report was leaked last week, the government confirmed that indeed, next year, it will be adult-use cannabis in Germany, the EU's largest market. People will be allowed to have up to 30 grams regardless of their source, but legal cannabis will be bought from dispensaries and pharmacies. You will also be allowed to grow up to three plants on your own. They will not allow any advertising, and the legal limit may be 18, it may be 21. But people will not be prosecuted anymore for things that were illegal and are now legal. All of this is great news because this trend-setting nation and this will be great for businesses and for patients in Germany. In France, a lawmaker filed a bill to legalize cannabis through the taxation system. This is unlikely to pass, but is a sign of opening in the most regressive of the major European powers. France does have a medical program, but it's very small and it's a pilot program. They're even very aggressive on CBD and try to get it banned at the EU level. So this is a small sign of opening in France. In Luxembourg, after complaints from patients led to a review, the health minister confirmed that cannabis will still only be sold from pharmacies located inside hospitals and not other pharmacies across the country. Despite this inconvenience, he says it's necessary to keep a proper control on cannabis. I'm Lex Pelger, and this was the European Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. To hear more on the science side, follow my free weekly newsletter, Cannabinoids and the People.
2: Back in the US Capitol, White House drug czar and director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy, Raul Gupta, is solidifying his support for scientific research behind cannabis. During an interview with the Washington Post, Gupta was asked about when the federal scheduling of cannabis will be reviewed, to which he only replied, expeditiously. But he did double down on the need for more scientific research that could come along with that rescheduling or descheduling change.
1: We know that there have been documented and clearly data is behind certain medical uses for cannabis. We also know at the same time that there's plenty of evidence that when we talk about children and their growing brain, uh, used marijuana does impact negatively in terms of your areas of where they're emotion and learning and decision-making, all those get impacted as well. So just as a, any substance for growing brain isn't good, it isn't good uh, for, for children and adolescents as well. But that doesn't nullify the, the medical benefits that have been documented in science over the years. And a lot of this is developing science. I mean, uh, there's been bans on marijuana and that's resulted in a deficiency of literature and science and scientific research behind it. So I'm glad that we're able to see more science develop so we will get closer to the truth that we can. Uh, To me as a scientist, it's really important to know, hey, what are the effects, both good and bad, so we can make good sound policy based on that data.
2: And big news for another Canadian company, Ontario-based Canopy Growth says it's planning to consolidate its U.S. assets into a new holding company in order to speed up its entry into the U.S. legal market. But MJ Biz Daily is reporting the NASDAQ is objecting to that idea. Deborah Borchardt has all the details in this week's Green Market Report.
4: This is the business update from the Green Market Report. This week, Canopy Growth surprised the markets with news that it was creating a canopy holding company for its U.S. properties. The Canadian company had options to acquire some American cannabis companies like Acreage Holdings and Wanna Brands. But those deals weren't supposed to happen until cannabis was federally legalized. Now, now it seems Canopy has decided not to wait until that happens. The question, though, is whether NASDAQ will allow the company to continue to trade on its exchange, and so far it looks like they aren't on board with Canopy's plans. The SEC has been busy this week with bad actors in the cannabis industry. Kronos Group settled with the SEC for some accounting errors. The company agreed to pay over $1.3 million as a settlement, and their accountant was also fined and barred from serving in that capacity for the next three years. The SEC also addressed false statements at New Age, Beverage and missing financial documents from Canawake. And finally, Verano is being sued by Goodness Growth over the company's decision to walk away from the planned acquisition. In addition to that, Verano has refinanced its debt and pushed out its maturity dates. The company is also going to lean harder on debt secured by its real estate holdings. I'm Deborah Borchardt, and this has been the Business Update from the Green Market Report for We Talk News.
2: In another big cannabis change, leadership is shifting at the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulation. Cannabis Business Times reports that veteran industry executive and investment expert Deborah Johnson will take the reins of the council as Interim Executive Director Sarah Chase takes on a new position. The CFCR is recognized as a leading voice with the FDA as the agency works to develop a regulatory framework for cannabis products all across the board. And back in Washington DC, local lawmakers there have approved a bill that would significantly reshape the district's medical marijuana program. And this is all according to Marijuana Moment. It would include eliminating licensing caps for medical marijuana businesses, which is huge, promoting social equity in the industry, and creating new regulated business categories such as on site consumption facilities and even cannabis cooking classes. The bill would also permanently codify a temporary current law that allows adults to self certify themselves as patients, which is also really cool. Now, also on the East Coast, a final version of a medical cannabis law in Pennsylvania is now ready to go. And our Pennsylvania correspondent, Claudia Post, has a closer look at that. I'm Claudia
5: Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for We Talk News. From the final version of Pennsylvania's medical marijuana law, patients will get safer products and better service at dispensaries. However, growers and processors predict production headaches and delays and possibly higher prices. One of the best pieces of news for patients is a requirement that medical marijuana dispensaries must have a pharmacist available either on site or remotely during all business hours. Patients were frustrated because they couldn't get answers to questions about which products to use, which is best for them, and of course, the appropriate dose. The Pennsylvania Cannabis Coalition announced on October 24th that the trade organization has released results of a candidate survey aimed at gauging elected officials' stance on cannabis policy ahead of the November election. The survey results revealed that 16 Democrats and 10 Republican Senate candidates reported that they support medical cannabis with eight Democratic candidates signaling support for adult use. That would be terrific. The results also show that 95 Democrats and 59 Republicans in the vying as they're vying for office in the house support medical cannabis. Several Republican legislators who weren't supportive of the state's cannabis program at its inception, are now supportive for the reason that the industry can generate billions in revenue. Philadelphia's medical marijuana dispensary Cureleaf is being sued for allegedly breaking the city's Fair Workweek law. The former employee alleges the cannabis retailer violated the law, which requires employers to provide predictable, and regular scheduling for workers. Another former employee filed a complaint that managers routinely flipped their schedules and failed to compensate workers for abrupt changes. And an email statement purely vowed to fight the claims in court. Well, that's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. From We Talk News, have a fabulous week.
2: Pennsylvania isn't the only place where Cureleaf has had recent legal trouble. The Boston Business Journal reports that the company admitted to accidentally filling hundreds of containers marked as CBD with THC instead, blaming it on, quote, unintentional human error, but the thing is these products were put on shelves for sale in Oregon and a lot of people bought them without knowing what they were getting into. So Curaleaf has since agreed to a $100,000 settlement in a class action lawsuit for that incident. With that, let's check in now with Marianne Kerseggi with more happening out of Oregon this week.
6: I'm Marianne from Alibi Cannabis with this week's
2: Oregon Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Outdoor harvests in Southern Oregon are mostly finished by now. Early reports are that there were half as many metric tags this year compared to last year. So hopefully this results in less product in a highly saturated market. More news on the hotly contested Oregon Governor's race. Bernie Sanders is in town today to garner support for the Democratic nominee. And finally, CuraLeaf has agreed to pay another $100,000 to settle a class action lawsuit over mislabeling. Last year, they mislabeled tinctures as containing only CBD when, in fact, they contained a THC, which caused severe and unexpected reactions. That'll do it for the Oregon Report this week. I'm Marianne with Alibi for Weed Talk News. Traveling to the Midwest now, markets there are blooming, including in Illinois. While the state has offered edible sales since legalization of adult-use cannabis kicked in, it hasn't been until now that there was a company to produce those products right there on home turf. Thomas Howard has the details in this week's Illinois report.
7: Hey, it's me. Cannabis industry lawyer Tom Howard here, for Weed Talk News. Here's an update from the news in Illinois the past couple of weeks. First... An infuser license is actually open for business. It has been over two years, but the first infuser license has opened for business in the state of Illinois in the small town of Pekin, Illinois. And it is the Crown LLC was the name of that infuser. Interestingly enough, well-known multi-state operator, Wild has partnered with Crown, uh, perhaps uh, through a licensing agreement uh, to get their products into the Illinois market. Not only that, uh, in Illinois Cannabis News, Also uh, today in the court hearing for the craft growers, all of the cases have now officially been consolidated and assigned to the judge that is going to hear the matter. So the craft grow appeals are moving forward. Uh, Not only that, what else is going on in Illinois cannabis? Um, People are just working toward opening their Uh, dispensaries that they want. And the market for craft grow licenses is hot. It's hot because you're allowed to sell them. Uh, You're not allowed to sell the dispensary licenses yet. You have to get those open first. And so that's creating a lot of interesting uh, financial relationships between the license holders and their creditors. Uh, Not much else going on in cannabis news in the state of Illinois. Still a slow rollout, but we do have now an an infuser that's operating and also one craft grow that's operating. By the end of the year, we anticipate at least five to ten more craft grows joining that one. Uh, And that's all we have from Illinois this week. Thanks. Don't forget to catch me on Cannabis Legalization News on Sundays.
2: There is a new sheriff in town, or in the state of Michigan, that is. Michigan's Cannabis Regulatory Agency has a new acting director, and he says he's planning to crack down on bad actors and illicit operations going on in the state. With that, let's check in with Michigan Normal Executive Director Rick Thompson.
0: Hello again, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News let's begin. There are lots of concerns flying around regarding the investigation into former House Speaker Lee Chatfield and his corrupt connections within the Cannabis Regulatory Agency, with cannabis entrepreneurs, and with other lawmakers. Chatfield seemingly used his influence to secure jobs for his relatives, three of them at a single cannabis company in Ann Arbor, and it initially appears his corrupt influence was felt in the drafting of legislation. The timing of certain actions look to have been coordinated between congressional Republicans, the MCMA, and actors within the state government. The too close relationship between lobbyists who work for the state's largest cannabis industry players and those who are in charge of the cannabis program in the state has already been scrutinized by investigators And since their investigation seems to be continuing forward in that direction, it seems like there's some fire where we can see some smoke. Now, who will be snagged in this investigation? Who gave more than a reasonable amount of attention to the influence peddlers in the legislature? If justice is to be done, let the investigation be a full, fair, and exhaustive process. And let all the facts be published and available for we, the people, to evaluate and draw conclusions from. Well, the new director of the Cannabis Regulatory Agency, Brian Hanna, had an important press conference this week in which he stated his goal of eliminating any illegal sourcing of cannabis within Michigan's regulated industry. Mr. Hanna has already stated his short-term 90-day goals, which include reasonable and necessary steps toward eliminating the cheats and liars within the regulated marketplace. Here's one quote from the press release If there's anybody cutting corners or cheating, we want to expose that and take a strong enforcement approach on that, per Director Hannah. Prior to Hannah taking the top spot at the CRA, the agency's budget was increased by $2 million in the current fiscal year. And the agency has hired 10 additional employees. Hannah said the extra staff was dedicated to weeding out the instances of illicit product making it into the regulated marketplace. These actions come at a time of great contradiction where pricing is falling faster than Kanye's career, supply is oversaturating the market, and questions of how and why this is happening are being asked by those both within and outside of the regulated marketplace. If Hannah's efforts pay off and the bad actors in the market are identified, we all hope that enforcement actions will occur much faster than the 17 months it took to reach a penalty agreement with House of Mary Jane, which was a Detroit retailer busted with bags of unregulated product on their premises. Stopping the cheats is a reasonable and worthy place to put the CRA's enforcement efforts I do hope to be able to report on more successful interdictions of illegal activity surrounding the regulated cannabis industry during future episodes of the Michigan Report. Well, Detroit's past overdependence on raiding cannabis operations has finally been exposed, and it came by the city's annual financial report. Now the difference is a shocking one. In 2012, the city reported making drug raids At a rate of 3,462 in a single fiscal year, you know, that's about 10 raids each and every day. I can tell you, as someone who was involved in the industry during 2012, the Detroit Police Department made raids which never resulted in any official paperwork, including raids into Oakland, Macomb, and Genesee counties. Now let's fast forward to 2021, just 10 years later, And the number of drug raids has dropped to 186, which is an average of about one raid every two days. Now, why such a sharp decline? Because Detroit's not raiding cannabis operations anymore, according to the Detroit Police Department spokesperson. There has never been a more sharp piece of evidence illustrating the over-policing of cannabis in Michigan than the statistics provided by the city of Detroit. And over is the right way to describe how Detroit and other large cities have given too much attention to cannabis, a substance which causes no deaths and is rarely, if ever, associated with violence. Contrast that to the crime statistics reported by the DPD itself, which includes three out of ten Detroiters were the victim of a crime last year. Murders are up by more than four percent, and the number of innocent youth being killed or injured by gun violence is at an all-time high. Well, methamphetamine, fentanyl, cocaine, and heroin are all present in every major city in the state and in most minor towns and villages too. So here's hoping other municipal police departments follow Detroit's lead and stand down on both raiding and caring about those people who cultivate or use cannabis for personal benefit. Well, let's stick with Detroit for a moment and announce that the initial application period for adult use cannabis businesses in Michigan's largest city has concluded. During their one month open applications period, the city received more than 90 applications for just 60 cannabis retail licenses that they're offering at this first stage of the city's controversial licensing process. Now those 90 applications are composed of 50 non-equity applicants and 40 applicants who qualify for Detroit's legacy status. In order to ensure the city's approval process is untainted by influence or bias, City Council yesterday nominated an attorney for Macomb County to oversee the award process. City Council has seven days to either go with their nominee or replace them before the proposal is presented to Mayor Mike Duggan for approval. The city will eventually approve 160 licenses for cannabis retailers, micro-businesses, and cannabis social consumption lounges. Although there is still a lawsuit against the licensing process pending in federal court, it's great to see Detroit pushing forward into the adult-use marketplace, and we certainly hope all this applying and approving is not in vain. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News.
2: There could be trouble in your CBD. Hemp Today reports that a team of researchers recently conducted an analysis on more than 500 CBD products and get this, they found the labeling of those products is often deficient with quote substantial discrepancy between the product label claims for potency that's on the label there, and the amount actually measured in both edible and topical products. And not only that, but the researchers also found, quote, low-level contamination of edible CBD, CBD products with heavy metals and phthalates or plastics was pervasive. That means there was plastic and metal found often in these CBD, edible, and topical products. So the rest of those findings will be available in a soon-to-be-published paper on edibles and topicals. Until then, and always, be wary of where you're getting your CBD products. And another illicit market that's seeming to thrive right now is in New Jersey. Some smoke shops are reportedly finding clever ways to illegally sell cannabis to customers without meeting state compliant laws but regulators say they're ready to crack down here's jill goldsberry with that story and more from the garden state this week
6: new jersey cannabis lovers i am back with what's happening in cannabis news in our state well new jersey has become quite familiar with multi-state operator Cureleaf dispensaries here and Cureleaf is bringing in some new products to add to their new jersey stores starting starting very soon clients will be able to experience and purchase products from Find Cannabis. This is a New England brand that is of high quality flower products and will be available very soon, probably starting next month. You'll see them in the stores. In other news, the robust market in New Jersey has created another gray market where local smoke shops are selling legal cannabis illegally meaning they are smoke shops, pretty much taking sales into their own hands, particularly this has been happening in New Jersey, in Jersey City and Newark. Law officials are cracking down on the regulate on the unregulated market. However, according to Paul argument of normal, the problem is that there have been very few licenses granted in these markets. Not granting the licenses in New Jersey's largest cities is where there is a high demand has created a thriving gray market, but officials will continue to crack down on smoke shops and their owners and offenders, and they will face prosecution and possibly loss of business. And that's what's happening in New Jersey. I'm Jill Goldsberry for We Talk News.
7: With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.
2: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there. My name is Leah Babruti and I'm the founder and host of CannaChix Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.